0: chapter number two tonight, book of Acts chapter number two, and we are uh, continuing with a Bible study, a series that I began two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, uh, and that is a series on our culture, our culture, and when we say our culture, we are talking about the culture of this church, what we want the culture of this church to be. Not necessi- not just what we want the culture of this church to be, but what we believe that God desires the culture of this church to be. We do not just want to be a church, we want to be an extension of the church. And so we are hungry to have an apostolic uh, culture at sanctuary, amen? I'm going to read from Acts 2 beginning with verse number 42 down through 47. You can remain seated for the reading of the word tonight. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Uh, If we're going to have a strong culture in this church. It's not going to happen by accident. It doesn't just. It doesn't just. Um, it doesn't just happen. Because we want it to happen. It Things like this happen. Because we make them happen. We make them happen. And uh, we get very serious. In the word I'll use in just a few minutes. We get very intentional. About seeing these things. Take place. Um, when we are not. Intentional in in trying to be proactive uh, and not just reactive, but being proactive uh, to establish an apostolic culture in this church. If we do not do that, then what happens is we fall to the lowest common denominator. It'll just it'll that's just what's going to happen. It's going to go to the lowest common denominator, and that will become our norm. That is not what we want. Our, we do not want our norm to be the lowest common denominator. Because the lowest common denominator. You want to know what that is ultimately? It is our flesh. It's our carnality. Is the lowest common denominator. And so uh, that will be what what drives us. That will be what, what uh, this church begins to be built off of. If we are not built off of. The Word of God and have that kind of a culture, then we are built incorrectly and we will not long stand. And I have seen things through the years that looked real good, that stood for a certain amount of time, but they didn't stand the test of time. Um, and, and history is actually replete with examples of what I'm talking about tonight, things that were not built correctly. So eventually they become either uh, of no use or they fall into a state of disrepair. There is nothing sorrier than an apostolic church that is in a spiritual state of disrepair. It's a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing to think that that you're a people that has the, the message and yet... Your culture is such that the message is overshadowed by everything that's wrong. Isn't that horrible? And so we want to be, we want to get serious about this. And so um, because of that, I I taught that lesson a couple weeks ago, and I want to continue it tonight about a church culture. We talked last time about what the the uh, culture of the early church looked like, and I guess I really kind of got the preaching last time um, about some of the things we want to see. The Bible said that they were those that had turned their world upside down. Said that they were those that had filled Jerusalem with their doctrine, and we want to be a church that fills Jonesboro with our doctrine. Somebody said, "I don't think you should call it your doctrine." You know, it is our doctrine. When they, when the, when the people who were not uh, part of the church identified it, they, watch this, they identified it as being connected to the apostles. And so, what the people who said they followed Jesus and believed. They said, these are the things. It it wasn't just them saying, this is what we do. It was other people saying, these things define this group of people. So I'm going to tell you right now, whether we like it or not, people are always going to point at the church, and they're going to say, these people are defined by, and they're going to say some things. Some of them will be true. Some of them will probably not be true. Some of them, they will only see through a, through a skewed perspective, I'll give you an example of that. Some people will never understand the life of holiness that we seek to to live uh, because they don't they don't understand the reasoning behind it, and so you know they may make derogatory statements about um, our culture of holiness, but uh, but we can go out and we can live holiness in such a way that we give it a good name. Please, don't ever be a sour Pentecostal. As my dad used to say, and and so many others, walking around like you've been sucking on a lemon all day. You know, somebody asks you how you're Ready to bite somebody's head off. That's not who we are. As, As the song said... We're a happy people. Yes, we are. Been baptized in Jesus' name, spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. We're a happy people. Yes, we are. Because when the Spirit of God dwells in you, it should be, and I I made this statement Sunday when I was preaching about Pentecost, but it applies here tonight, it should be that we are living in the overflow. We're living in the overflow, and the way I said it Sunday was, uh, the psalmist said, "My cup runneth over." So we're not a group of people that's just trying to maintain some some little amount in a cup that we don't want to lose what's in the cup. We need to have the cup that is running over. Amen. Does that mean? Does that mean we don't have issues? Of course we have issues. David, who wrote that psalm, and said. And by the way, if, if you're wondering about this, I keep getting people ask me. I was on that horseback ride and I cut my finger, so I'm just trying to make sure I it, it gets better. Okay, I notice it when I'm doing this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not been sucking it. No, no. So it it just feels real uh, noticeable to me tonight. Um. David wrote that psalm, and David says, you know, my cup runneth over. Yet, in the midst of his cup running over, David also said, I've got enemies. He also said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So obviously, that d- everything was not always perfect. I know we use this word a lot around here, and, and I don't want to wear you out on it. Let me just say it one more time. This is... It comes back down to balance because here, here's just a, a news flash for all of us that are here tonight. Don't wanna don't wanna hurt your feelings, don't wanna burst your bubbles, but this is the truth. You're probably never going to have one single day of life on this earth where everything is just going perfect. Just about the time you think everything's working out, the car breaks down air conditioner goes out the whatever and if we went around the room tonight we probably got a lot of testimonies of people who have been in some there's always something isn't there there's all and that's kind of how David's talking he's not he's not trying to to highlight just the good days and he's not trying to highlight the bad days David is saying these are all days that at any given time I'm probably living in all of these situations at any given time, I'm probably uh, being made to lie down in green pastures. But also at any given given time, he might be having to prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. At the same time, his rod and his staff are comforting me. But but while his rod and staff are comforting me, I'm having to go through that valley of the shadow of death. And all of these things are happening somewhat simultaneously. So, <coughs> the in the midst of all that, David said, still, my cup is running over. And so it should be that we live in such a way that our cup runs over. Doesn't mean you got to wait for everything to get right to show people that your cup runs over. You should be able to show people your cup is running over at any moment, at any time. Because when we receive the Holy Ghost, we receive the, the very Spirit of God. The very Spirit of God. It is the earnest of our inheritance. It is the, it is the, uh, the, the the little bit that we get before the whole thing eventually comes to us when we get to heaven. It's it's our taste of heaven on earth. Well, I've got a question: if we are if we are literally if we have a piece of heaven on earth, why would we ever walk around acting like the sky is falling down around our ears? If we have heaven on earth let's live like we have heaven on earth doesn't mean everything's right but in the midst of all of that our cup runneth over amen Amen. and so uh people are going to be watching people are going to be looking they're going to see these things in us i would hope and i would pray uh that at some point in all of our lives we have at least one person that will come to us and say you know I know you've gone through some things, and I know you've had some difficulties, but I've always noticed that you 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 always seem to just still be able to smile through all of it. You still be were able to, to have a good attitude through all of it. And I'm at a point in my life where I need something, and I want what you have. I would like to have that kind of a culture in this church so that people come here. Uh, a lot of times people don't care what you believe until they know what you are. good all by itself Amen. they're not they don't care what you believe till they know what you are and it is what you are that opens the door to what you believe and so our culture is what helps to bring this about um i went through some things and this is kind of where we ended last last time I, I i talked to you about some things in an article from 1993 Let me just, it wasn't very long, so let me read it to you one more time. Um, It was the Index of Leading Cultural Indicators, which is a statistical portrait of American behavioral trends, and it was over the past three decades, so from 1963 to 1993. And among those findings, since 1960, while the gross domestic product, has nearly tripled, violent crime has increased by at least 560%. Divorces have more than doubled. The percentage of children in single-parent homes had tripled, and by the end of the decade of 1990, 40%, they said, and estimated, 40% of all American births and 80% of minority births, Will occur out of wedlock. Do you hear that number? Four out of ten of all births, and eight out of ten out of minority births will end. Will, will occur out of wedlock. And I actually pulled up the statistics uh, a couple of years ago on just on New York City, and I will tell you that New York City fits that and goes over it. Um, by quite a bit. It is amazing where we have come as a society. Let me tell you what helped get us here. It is our culture. We live in a culture your culture will always promote what it values. It will always promote what it values. You know what our culture values the most? Me. 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 Now, thinking how I want to give my disclaimer here, <laughs> how I want to say it, because um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be political here, but this is s- probably somewhat of a political argument that I'll make and statement, so I hope it don't bother you, but this is one of the problems to, to me in my estimation, this is one of the major problems of the liberal ideology, the liberal ideology is very, it's very me focused. It's it's ev- we all deserve to have these things. If if the rich have it, I should be able to have it, and so the rich should have to pay more in taxes so that I can have what they have. Never mind they work to have that. Never mind they're already paying more in taxes. Gonna try to take more. I know I shouldn't. You know, some of y'all probably think I shouldn't talk like this, but it's it's true, I, and and so we've got people trying to take, 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 because because it's, it's me, me, me. And so, um, and by the way, by the way, one of the most irritating things to me and, and bothers me to no end is to hear a celebrity get up and talk about what all everybody else should be doing and then fly back to their yacht <laughs> and get on it do their parties and and live their extravagant lifestyle. If you believe it so much, why don't you give all your money then? That's just a question I've got. That's just a question I've got. Don't want <laughs> I'm trying to be good right now. Don't want don't don't want, you know, American citizens to be able to, to Carry a firearm, but they want their bodyguards to be able to carry them. Well, let me get back into my notes. It's the culture we live in. Culture is what is is what has got us here, and so as culture has been a tie that's been pushing, we have we've come to a place where we value certain things, and uh, what we value is what gets seen, and and so. Um, America we value we value our our gadgets we value um, we value self and so self is worshipped in America it's the biggest idol of any idol it's the idol of self and if we're not careful all of us can have the tendency to fall down and worship at that idol that's so why we go back to the cross and we, we come to the Lord and we kneel and humble ourselves before him so we we want a culture that is actually very counterculture to the one that we live in and that's not going to happen by accident it's just not it's, it's it's going to require a lot of effort on our part and so um, the first thing that I would tell you to see this happen is that we have to have a vision of where it is that we want to go the bible said that Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's what the wise man told us. If we do not have a vision, then we're going to die wandering around in search of what we do not know. So we have to have a vision. We have to have an end goal that we are focused on achieving and getting to. And we have to have that as a church. Now, everything I'm saying right now, you could take it and apply it to your personal life, but I'm really talking to our collective church body tonight. We have to have a culture here uh, that is driven by a vision. The vision that we have is to be an apostolic church in principle, in practice, and in power. That That is what we are seeking to become, an apostolic church in principle, in practice, and in power. And so to that end, uh, we are trying to reach. Typically, vision is transferred through preaching. And I would hope that as your pastor, the Lord will help me to always be able to cast a vision for this church to be more than we are. Um, I'll just let you in on a little secret right now. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we're going to say, "Okay, we made it. We're here. We are always going to keep pushing to go deeper, to, to to serve God more, to be more effective, to be a greater witness. We're always going to seek to expand whatever level it is that we currently are at. So I'm going to try to uh, to cast vision through preaching, um, but it's not just about me casting vision with preaching. It's about people grabbing a hold of that vision. And saying that is what we will go toward. That is where we will head. Uh, this is not just some. This is not just some shot in the dark where uh, we have you have said something that that sounds good and it causes us all to clap and shout and praise God. We actually say that is our goal and that's where we want to go. And so, because that becomes our goal, we work toward that happening in our midst. We've had enough preaching to save the world. We have had enough preaching to save the world. And um, really, I mean, I you know, I haven't been preaching near as long as some have, but I could stop today and just start recycling sermons over and over and over and over again, and those sermons would be enough to to for us to just try to focus on from here on out and and us we could make it to heaven, I think. Okay we're not careful, what preaching has become to us is a, is a source of entertainment. It, it, you know, I mean, it, it really has. And, and I, even as a preacher, I enjoy preaching. I enjoy teaching like this on a Wednesday night, probably more than just about anything in all the world. I love this. Uh, but if I'm not careful, this can become like a drug to me. It can become just as much a fix to me as it is to anybody else. I don't want to be preached to to be entertained. I want to be preached to so that the principles contained in the preaching will be will be implanted in my soul and they'll begin to grow into fruition so that my life will be changed. Is there anybody that wants to be changed by the power of the word of God? Amen. So so let's not let preaching become our entertainment. Let, let's let let preaching do its job, which is to, to feed the sheep. It's to cast vision. It's to get us all to heaven. Uh, let's take from it what we need to take from it. And let's not. Uh, let, let's not make it where where uh, things are falling on deaf ears. Let's internalize it. Let's receive it. Amen. Um, I tell you what I'm where I'm going to go. I, I I was debating on when I would hit this, but what I want to talk about tonight in culture and the culture of this church and what we want it to be. I really want to talk about the pulpit for just a little bit because I just think this is important to, to the foundation of our culture. Um, we have to value, we do have to value the pulpit and what comes across it. And as I just said, not for entertainment value, but for um, uh, instructional uh, edification value things that build us as human beings who live for God. I sent this out on social. I don't usually do uh, little sermonette things on social media, but I did do one today. Usually I put pictures of my kids and my dogs and my horses and all that. But I did put a little something out there today. And this is this is what I said. The church doesn't have a legalism problem. If, and I'm generally speaking, the church does not have a legalism problem, but the church does seem to have in 2017 um, an unbiblical liter- liberties indulgence problem. The problem that we're that we're by and large seeing in churches today is not that preachers in pulpits are beating everybody up over the head and saying uh you you know you're gonna shine my shoes and that's that's not the issue we're really dealing with the issue we're really dealing with is us trying to justify ourselves from the excesses in our lives the liberties that we are taking uh under the guise where we say um the bible said that there would be liberties that we could have and and the Bible doesn't say anything about this, and no, it doesn't say anything about that. But it does have principles that speak to it. Uh, somebody sent me a a link of something that I watched. Uh, it was a minister from he's not he's not an apostolic preacher, but he was talking to the congregation that he pastors about alcohol. Brought up alcohol, and and uh, he he's he was dealing with. Um, several issues over the next few weeks he was going to deal with several issues that uh, people have questions about kind of elephants in the room that nobody ever really talks about and so he was going to so he was dealing with alcohol and uh, because I guess in the church that he pastors they're having an issue with uh, people indulging in alcohol and and is this okay is this not okay Uh, you shouldn't drink but Paul said to Timothy take a little wine for the stomach's sake and What's going on here? And I guess we can do it as long as it's in moderation. And and he worked through some of these things. And I'm listening to this man <laughs> preach, and he got pretty strong. He got be pastor's a very very large church, and he got very strong telling these people that we have no business drinking alcohol. And uh, which, by the way, is how I feel about it too. In case you're wondering, that's part of our culture. <laughs> and he was saying some very strong things. And I was thinking to myself, I know, and he was talking about, you know, I know there's going to be people get on social media and they're going to blast me for saying some of these things that I'm saying. And, and uh, he said, but it, it's not going to negate the truth of what I'm saying. And, and I thought, you know, it is just amazing that we have become a, a people who, s- who, who so much like to pick and choose what our theology is in what it is that we believe and that's not just in other churches that's in (laughs) apostolic churches too and and so you know we like to pick and choose what is we believe and so i knew that there would be people who were going to call that man a legalist because he said you don't need to drink alcohol he said you don't need to have anything to do with it and and uh he said if you do i'm asking you to stop he said if you do he said you're not gonna you're not gonna be a ministry leader in this church." He said, you're welcome to come here and and get involved in some places, but you're not going to be a leader in this church if you do that. And he said, I can't believe anybody would ever say, I don't want to be a leader because I want to drink. He said, I've had that conversation. Uh, And he he said, it just kind of shows me where your heart is. And he's just telling them how it is. And and so I thought they're going to leave here. Some of them, some of them will leave there and they will say that he is a legalist because of his stance on alcohol. And it's. Uh, place in a Christian's life and and I thought really that's not true at all he's not being a legalist he's he was presenting them with biblical principles and saying this is why we should not do this and the issue is not a legalism problem it's people taking liberties with things that are unbiblical okay and so in order to to counteract that We have to have strong pulpits. That's where I'm headed with that. In order to counteract that, we must have strong pulpits. Now, I want to say thank you to this church because I love that I get to pastor Sanctuary Church. I really do. And one of the reasons, it's for many reasons, but one of the reasons that I really enjoy pastoring this church um, is because you as, as, as saints of God, um, I never ever feel, I just don't ever feel pushback against the pulpit. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, I mean, I'm sure maybe there's been people that have walked out of here at times who didn't agree with something I said, but you didn't, as far as I know, you didn't run me down and, and, um, make a big issue about it this church gets behind what is i love that and i and and i want you to know i recognize it and i also want you to know i don't try to take advantage of it when we came here one of the things i prayed very strongly about was lord um help me that the things that i would preach in this church i don't want to years from now i don't want it to be where i have to back up and say you know what i preached that but um, I really didn't have the Bible to preach that or pr- Bible principles to preach that, so I'm going to back off of it now. I said, I don't want to do that because then people think you're compromising. People think you're not what you used to be. So I said, Lord, help me to preach things that, to, to, to preach what needs to be preached, but not to put undue burdens on your people. And so that's what, I, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. And. You, in turn, have responded to that, and I appreciate that so very much. It makes it so much easier to preach when you know that the people really want to love God and they want to follow the Lord. And so that's what we're trying to do in this church. But if that is going to happen, we do have to have a strong pulpit. It it would be a disservice to you if I would get into the pulpit and not be... And, and, and not preach the Word of God strong. If I if I presented the Word of God as if you can take this or leave it, that wouldn't do you any good. You need to hear what God really has to say about it. So let me just talk a little bit about the pulpit and some things God uh, has for it. Um, we don't... Well, first, let's go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, verses 8 through 11. Let me read those to you. The Bible says, Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come, forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, and children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. He said, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Or they say, excuse me, get out of the way, get out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. In other words, we really don't want God. We want want our own own system, but we don't want God's system. Are we okay tonight? We want our system. We really don't want God's system. We will gather together under the guise of having church. That's what they're doing. We are coming together under the guise of being a people of God. We're just not really going to follow Him. Remove Him from being before us. And so I I present that passage of scripture to you tonight to say that's where we are in America. That's where we are in America. We really are living in a time, it's a rebellious people, it's lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. And they say to the preachers, they say, don't prophesy unto us right things, but speak unto us smooth things. And prophesied deceits, and so um, if we if we were to follow that and go down that path, then we'll just all be like uh, those children who followed the Pied Piper, or those uh, those children that followed the Pied Piper out to wherever it was he took them. I don't even remember where he took them. anybody remember the Pied Piper? Okay, he was trying to get them somewhere. And uh, they just followed him. He played his music and they followed him wherever it was. He and if we're not careful, we'll become that kind of a, uh, a, of a church where we're just following blindly things that are leading us to destruction and not leading us in a relationship with God. So what is God's uh, answer to that? Well, look at Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. Jeremiah 3 and 15. This is how the Lord counteracts that. He says, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. When you study that and you begin to look what he means when he says pastors that are according to my heart, he is saying I am going to give you pastors that are connected with with who I am in my inner being and they're going to have an insight into what it is inside of me that I am Thinking and longing and saying. And they're going to help bring you along toward that. They're going to feed you with knowledge. And with understanding. And this is the kind of pastor that God wants for every church. A pastor that is according to his heart. That's close to his heart. So that they can hear what thus saith the Lord. And then they can deliver that to a church. And so that's the kind of pastor I'm trying to be. I probably... Fall short as a pastor in a lot of ways at a lot of times. But I'm trying my best to be a pastor that is according to his heart. I want to hear what God is saying because I care about this church. I care about your families. I care about all of our souls. So I want to hear what God is saying so that I I can pass that on to you. Because the Lord said there's going to be times that I'm going to speak to people individually. But by and large, God speaks to his people across the pulpit. We okay? Y'all know I'm not doing a self-serving lesson tonight, right? Okay. Primarily, God speaks to his people across the pulpit. If we would receive the word of God that comes across the pulpit, it would knock out. 98% ninety eight percent of counseling that's done in churches. I try I, I'm like a pastor said I try to do most of my counseling over the pulpit. I really do, because one thing I don't want as part of our culture is that I've got to have five, six, seven appointments every day trying to help people continue to live for God. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not talking about where there's a there's a calamity in your family and and you you're trying to walk through it and you need some help and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we're all the time uh, at each other and 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 you, you, we we can't get some things right um, in our own spirit and so we have to be he- held by the hand all the time and somebody has to constantly be walking with us to make sure we're living for God. We want we want to be a church where um, we get a hold of what's coming across this pulpit because it will help us to live for God. So one of the, that, that's what I'm trying to do, okay? Now, Isaiah 58 and 1. I know I'm bouncing around here just a little bit, and I am trying to work my way to a close in case I've got y'all scared. Isaiah 58 and 1. That's why the Lord gives this word to the prophet. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. We need somebody every once in a while to to get up and say, I feel like the Lord is saying that there's some areas in our lives that we are sorely lacking Bec- and, and it's not because God's mad at us. God does that because He loves us, and He and He tells the prophet to not spare, to to spare not, and to go ahead and cry loud because, because He wants His people saved. And by the way, if the prophet does not do that, woe be to him, because there's a whole lot of calamity about to fall on him. You can look it up in the Scripture. So. Um, we need somebody to every once in a while say, well, here's the way I say it. We need somebody to step on our toes every once in a while. Sure. Yeah. And and to say there's some areas we need to straight, straighten up in a little bit. And there's some things we need to we need to put a focus on and get back to God and get back to what God wants us to be in those areas of our lives. Weak pulpits will not do that. Weak pulpits will not do that. It takes a strong pulpit to do that. And so one of the reasons I'm teaching this lesson tonight is not because we've got an issue with this. It's because I want to make sure we never have an issue with this. Because if, if I don't talk like this every once in a while, then what happens is I get uncomfortable to say these things. And when I'm uncomfortable to say it, ha- have you ever had somebody maybe that worked with you or for you and you needed to say something to them but you couldn't? You know, and so I'm trying to, to keep that from happening. I, I'm trying to keep open lines of communication so that we can be the church God wants us to be. Um, and occasionally there's things that God needs us to to put a focus on. That's why you have the first uh, you have the second and third chapters of the book of Revelation where he speaks to the churches of Asia Minor. It's because he's saying there's some things I need to address in these churches. It's not because they're bad people. It's because all people, all of us, me included, and you included, we all from time to time will drift into areas where we need somebody to say, whoa, 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 let's get back where we need to be. Everybody in this room is capable of having a bad attitude. Everybody in this room is capable of having a bad attitude. Everybody in this room is capable of of um of uh, giving in to their flesh and indulging in something that later they're gonna wish they hadn't have indulged in. Uh, we're human, we're people that that is who we are. We are, the Bible said we are but dust. And he remembers our frame that we are but dust. Thank the Lord for that. But because of that, he says, we're gonna we're gonna have somebody cry aloud. They're gonna steer you in the direction. That it is that you need to go. And so um, if you look at Proverbs 27. Verses 23 and 24. I know I'm in low gear tonight. I hope y'all are okay. It says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. And look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? What he's saying there is, just because things are good now doesn't mean they're always going to be that way if you do not look to keep them that way. Look to your flocks, look to your herds. It it may be riches right now, it may be the crown right now, but if you don't keep an eye on these things, it's going to go in a different direction. And folks, if you've been around truth for any length of time you've probably seen things that were great at one time that went a bad direction went a bad direction good people who love the Lord that got caught up and went a wrong direction so we're not here to cast stones at them tonight we're here to say let's have a church culture that doesn't let us get that way Every once in a while just say preach to us pastor teach us the word of God pastor don't let me get comfortable and just go in my own way bring me back to what thus saith the word of God bring me back to that help us to have a strong pulpit in this church that hears from God 1 Corinthians 14 and 8 said that if, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound we got issues, we got problems, you got to have a clear sound. So you don't need me to just get up here, and I know I gave you my political opinions a while ago, you'll excuse me for that, okay? We don't just need somebody to get up here and give us Bible opinions, we need somebody that gets up here and gives us Bible truth, a certain sound, and not an uncertain sound. And there's responsibilities for the pastor, and I was going to get into some of that tonight, I really don't have time to right now, but there's responsibilities that the pastor has because it's a tremendous it's a tremendous and a fearful thing to be responsible for the sheep of his pasture. When the Bible says, and I end with this, when the Bible says, um, y'all like how I keep going back that I'm coming to a close? <laughs> Five more minutes. When the Bible says um, that, Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls, uh, that they may do it uh, with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable. As th- they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, for the, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I know that for years, in lo- in some places, that was preached this way, and don't amen this, because I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the way it really is. Okay, <laughs> just giving y'all a heads up. In a lot of places that, that was preached as um, the pa- the pastor is going to stand before God and you are going to come in the, at the judgment of Christ, seat of Christ. You're going to come stand there and he's going to give an account for you and say, this this saint that I pastored, and, well, that's not what that means. Um, though, it, I, I mean, that doesn't mean we shouldn't live right not what that means, because I can't know your life completely. It's an impossibility for me to know your life completely. And so God, he already knows your life. He doesn't need me to tell him. Okay, so what that means is I'm going to give an account, not for you, but for how I preach the word of God to you. That's what that scripture means. He's encouraging the church to obey them that have the rule over you because one of these days that man's going to have to give account for what he preached, what he taught you, and you really want him to be able to do that with joy. God, I was able to preach your word, and the people received your word, and, and, and I, I didn't hold back, and I wasn't afraid to preach it. I, I gave it everything I had. That's good news. It, it, it's going to be bad news if for me and you, If I stand before him and say, God, I was afraid to say that, I I didn't want to I didn't want to approach that thing and broach that subject. And so what we're trying to do here is create a culture where we value the preached word of God, where we value um, what comes across the pulpit. Okay, why? Why are you talking about this on on this in this series of our culture? I'm talking about that because that is a huge part of who we are. Huge part of who, and we're living in a day that has that has so weakened the pulpit. It has so weakened the pulpit, and now everybody is a critic. Everybody's a critic, and and um, you can't hardly say anything positive about the Word of God without somebody trying to find the exception to it. thing I sent out today on the social media that's why I said this the first two words of that little post if you go looking at it are this generally speaking <laughs> I said generally speaking legalism is not our issue taking unbiblical liberties are because I know somebody's going to say well I've seen preachers who, okay but that's not the biggest issue we got the biggest issue we got is not preachers who are being legalistic. The biggest issue we got is all of us, this preachers included, taking liberties that are unbiblical, that are causing us to lose out with God and causing us instead of growing in him, causing us to pull away from him. And so you put those little disclaimers out because there's always somebody out there ready to to just pounce on that stuff. That's the culture we live because they've weakened the pulpit in their life. So what I'm doing tonight is preventative preaching. It's preventative preaching. I am encouraging all of us that are in this room, and I, and by the way, I get preached to too. too. I, I I make it a point to make sure I'm getting preaching, and I've got a pastor, and he will call me down. He will call me down. He's my dad, and that makes it double work, you know. But I'm trying to this church let's not ever get to that place let's have a culture where when people are around this church for any length of time they know we value when god begins to speak through his preached word we we value this we 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 believe in this we believe that that god is trying to get something across to us and so we hold on to it we make it dear to us and we tell our children and we tell our grandchildren that we value the word of God. We value the preaching of the word of God. And, and uh, preachers are human just like everybody else. But we're going to give the pastor the benefit of the doubt. If we think he said something wrong, did something wrong. And I'm going to do say things wrong and do things wrong at times. I promise you that's going to happen. But give me the benefit of the doubt. Because I'm trying to have a heart that is according to his heart. and He's And if you believe his word. He said, Sanctuary Church, I will give you a pastor that is according to my heart. That's somebody that's trying to hear me so that I can speak to you. Let's make this a part of our culture. Speak to us, Lord. Let me hear your word. God, how can I ever grow in you if I've got a wall up every time your word comes to me? How can I become what you want me to become if I am selectively receiving what you say? Our culture is we love the word of God. We love the preaching of the word of God, not for entertainment value, but because it is building us into the Christian that God wants us to be. Could we stand to our feet tonight, and clap our hands and give the Lord praise?